0: When somebody gets the blessing that you've been waiting for You should be able to rejoice with them Because you're like, Lord, I trust you and i trust your timing and you lord you know i want it but lord i'm excited that you blessed somebody else with it see the reason covetousness can equal idolatry is because whatever that thing we want we feel like that is going to define us and as a christian the only thing that we are allowed to let define us is jesus
1: coveting or desiring something someone else has is a real problem in our culture we aren't content with what we possess. And the shiny new car or bigger house or seemingly perfect family entices us. Pastor Daniel will be talking today about how coveting can actually be a form of idolatry. You base your worth and value on a physical object or worldly achievement. He'll urge you to seek your identity elsewhere, in Christ. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 20 as he continues his message called, Ten Commandments
0: Before I came to know Christ I had the most crazy beliefs in the world And now Because of the reality of Jesus I say, look, God loves life He loves life And yeah, I'm a man But God loves life And God loves sexual purity Because he's a pure God You know, and God loves the fact that we can protect ourselves. I know I don't want people going, shooting kids in schools. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that no one should be allowed to protect themselves. So when you think about it, brothers and sisters, God wants our mouths to be used for blessing and for witness, not for tearing down, not for cursing, not just because we're aggravated, even though sometimes we get totally aggravated. And I believe God wants to help us to stop saying things that are just going to poison the opportunity to share the good news that Jesus Christ is real, that he's alive, that he loves humanity, and he came and died for humanity. And we need to keep a vigilant guard over our mouths. And believe me, I'm not preaching down on anybody. Because I, every single day I'm like, Lord, keep me from saying stupid things. And you're saying to yourself, Pastor Daniel, I'm going to join you in praying that prayer. Because <laughs> I hear you every week. I know what's going on. Romans chapter 13, verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. And If there's any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying. Namely, you shall love your neighbor As yourself So the next time You are tempted to bear False witness against somebody Think to yourself How would I feel If somebody did that to me And say I wouldn't like it at all I've experienced it And you know what Because I've experienced it I would never want someone to go through What has hurt me and wounded me so deeply So I'm just going to let it go All these commandments, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the 10th commandment, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21, it's almost exactly the same, although there's some changes in the word order and a little amplification says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor. Now, if you learn the 10 commandments as a kid, most often you heard, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife because Deuteronomy puts that first. But really this is a universal command not to covet, which means to desire earnestly, too long after. And what's interesting about this commandment is it doesn't deal with your actions. It actually deals with your heart, what's going on inside. So it forbids all inordinate desire that has to do with something that someone else has. Now, 1 Timothy 6, 8, godliness with contentment is great gain. So this is... About guarding our hearts in regards to the things that we see. Guarding our hearts with the things that we see. Now, every single advertisement that you see is always aimed to provoke your heart to want. And God does not want us to not want. He wants us to not want things that we don't really need God wants us to want the only thing that really satisfies, which is what? Him. That's what he wants us to want. And we have to be careful because we live in in an economic environment where covetous is the way they get you to buy all these things that you don't really need. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't have things. It doesn't mean we can't save for things. But it is a heart condition. Can we be okay with where we are, with what? We have. That word covet, it can mean to pant after. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6, the way Satan tempted Eve. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, then she took the fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. The lust of the flesh, The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, she took the bait. Each one of us, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, we take the bait. We take the bait. It's been said that Francis of Assisi, that 13th century Italian monk, said something to the effect of, I have heard the confessions of thousands of men, but never once heard a man confess the sin of, Of covetousness. When was the last time you repented and said, God, I am covetous. I pant after what others have, what I feel like I lack. I've almost never done it. I don't know too many people who are like, yeah, yeah, I do it all the time. Because it's such a part of who we are. Who we are. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5. It says, nor a covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So the Apostle Paul links covetousness with idolatry. Because the reason we covet is because we think that something is going to complete us or fulfill us. If you, if you ever want to watch covetousness in action and, and because it's it's us, we need to look at other people. Just watch kids with new toys. Because, right? I, I mean, and we're all big kids with bigger toys and more expensive toys. But it's amazing. I watch my kids, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, oh, I need, I need this thing. I need this video game machine, you know? And then they play it straight for like five days. And then it collects dust. Why? Because then there's the next thing. And then, oh, the neighbors, they have a Nerf gun arsenal. I need a Nerf gun arsenal. You know? And then, you know, you get him the Nerf gun arsenal, and what does he do? He has Nerf gun wars for three days. And then, oh, I was over Johnny's house. He's got a trampoline in the backyard. Right? And, And the thing that was so wanted after it's had is useless now, right? And what's amazing is, is when you're a kid, your parents have some control over what you spend, your meager allowances or the money that you work for on. But when you're older, you have no restraint because the toys just get bigger, more expensive. And because we're in charge of our own lives, we just do whatever we want. And it's rough though, isn't it? Because, oh, I love that new car. And sure enough, you know that the next year, what? a newer model comes out, right? And so it never ends. It never ends. And so much of who we are and how we feel about things materially is based on what someone else has that we want. You could see it in things like, I remember one time when there was a a gal in our fellowship, this was back in New Jersey many years ago, and her and her husband were trying to have a baby, and they were having a hard time, have a baby, you know? And then we found out that another one of the couples were pregnant, you know, and I realize that, that that's a hard thing. But at the same time, she wasn't able to rejoice with them for having it because all she could do is think, well, I don't have one yet. You know, you're not going to go and be like, listen, sister, you're sinning and we need to pray for you because you have a covetous heart. But that is covetousness. It is. And sure, it's heart and it's tied up with emotion, but it's still covetousness. It is. So like when someone gets the promotion that you want, a non-covetous person will be able to rejoice with them because they got the promotion. When somebody gets the blessing that you've been waiting for, you should be able to rejoice with them because you're like, Lord, I trust you, and I trust your timing. And you, Lord, you know I want it. But, Lord, I'm excited that you blessed somebody else with it. See, the reason covetousness can equal idolatry is because whatever that thing we want, we feel like that is going to define us. And as a Christian, the only thing that we are allowed to let define us is Jesus. He is the Lord. He wants to take care of all of those things that we can simply say, okay, Lord, whatever you got, I'm game for. It's your life. Listen to Luke chapter 12, verse 15. It says, and he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. I love that. One's life does not consist of the abundance of the things you possess. Your life is so much more profound than the things you own or think you own. Your life is much greater than that. Don't allow our culture or the fallenness of our own hearts to diminish what real life is. Real life is not about what you own. It's not about that. Your life is way greater than that, than just stuff. And the stuff is fun, don't get me wrong. We can enjoy the stuff. But life is not that stuff. I have a buddy who always says, Daniel, we need to live as dying men. I like that. He's like, if anything in your life, if like, you know, you got a house, you got a car, you got this thing. If I can't play music anymore, have I lost my life? No. I love music, but it's just music. You know what I mean? It's just a house. It's just a car. It's just a retirement plan. And if you talk to Pastor Bill, retirement is like a dirty word. And wash your mouth out with soap if you say it. Because those, those years are not just for just kind of goofing off and, you know, working on your handicap. Although you can do that. Golf, nothing wrong with golf. But it's about way more than that. Pastor Bill calls it, those, those are the best years. You have the most wisdom. I don't want to get off on a tangent. I do, but I won't. Your life is worth more than the stuff you got or the stuff you think you want or the stuff you think you need. I don't know how many people coveted a spouse and married the first person they can get their hands on. Only to realize that marriage is really hard. They're like man maybe I shouldn't have done that. Be content with what God has given you. With the step that you're on. Say Lord this is your life. And Lord I'm not going to fool you. You know I want that. But Lord I'm okay with the step that I'm on. And I trust you God. And I'm going to hold out for your best. And watch what God does. Watch how he moves in your life. Now. Verses 18 to 21, I'm going to close with these verses. It says this. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightnings, the flashes, the sounds of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled. They stood afar off. And they said to Moses, you speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Now this is the end of the Ten Commandments account, because starting in verse 22, it begins with what they call the Book of the Covenant, which if the chapter breaks in your Bible were inspired, there'd be a chapter break right there at verse 21. Because it starts, we're going to start hearing all the commandments next week. All the the other, remember I told you there's 10, the big 10 written by the finger of God, but there's also, with those 10, there's 603 more, which we're going to spend the book of, rest of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, we'll go through all of them. 600 commandments, we're going to learn them all, you're going to memorize them all, and I'm going to test you on them. Just kidding. You're like, ah, not coming to Wednesday, I'm just kidding. You're like, I'm not coming to Wednesday nights anymore. Notice, we've heard about this back in Exodus chapter 19, verse 16 to 19. We hear about these thunderings and and the lightning. God's giving of these 10 was also accompanied by cataclysmic happenings. But now the focus is not on what's happening, but it's focusing on the response of the people. They trembled, it says, at the end of verse 18. They stood afar off and they said to Moses, Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. Don't let God speak to us. We can't do this. We'll die. You know what this does here? And and you may not even realize if you don't think about it. The people set up the need for a mediator. Right there, they say, look, if we come into the presence of the holy God, we will not survive. So we need a mediator to stand in our place before God. Don't miss that. And Moses becomes the prophet, the oracle of God to the people. He does that. Why? Because there's a greater and a newer Moses who's coming, who's a better mediator of a new covenant, and that is the man, Jesus Christ, who came to stand in the gap because no person, no person with our mistakes, however maybe small they are, no person can stand in the presence of a holy God and live. So God's own son, Jesus of Nazareth, who lived a perfect life, he is the mediator between God and man. But the people, they realize that this perfect, holy God, if they stand in God's presence, then they will die. And they need a mediator to do it, and they ask Moses to do it. Look at what Moses says in verse 20. He said to the people, don't fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Now, do you notice that? He tells them not to fear, and then he says, God's come to test you, that his fear may be before you. Strange, right? Don't fear. God's put his fear before you. Why? Because there's two types of fear contrasted always in the Bible. The first type of fear is the tormenting fear, which comes from a conscious guilt that leads to bondage. The other is what they would call a salutary fear, which promotes and demonstrates the presence of an attitude of trust and belief in an authority. So you ever notice that the Bible says perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And then it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And people say, how does that work? Because there's multiple types of fear. There's only one word for it, but there's two types. One type of fear is a tormenting fear, which in the presence of a holy God, we all say to ourselves, man, we don't have access. We don't have access. But then the other type of fear is a demonstration of I'm committing my life to an authority. And so God in each one of our lives wants to remove a tormenting fear. His love casts out our torment at the reality that we fall sh- way short. And at the same time, we want to fear God because we are demonstrating our submission to an authority. See, my, my children... I want my children to fear me, but I don't want them to be tormented in fear of me. I want them to know that I love them so much that they fear breaking my heart and their mama's heart. I tell my kids all the time, don't you ever make your mama cry. I want them to fear making their mom cry. I don't want to torment them, but I want them to know their parents love enough to know that that is a scary thing. They're both fear, but they're two radically different types. Brothers and sisters, if you're in here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you should have tormenting fear. And if you don't, it's because you don't realize that there's a holy God. And that holy God is a consuming fire. And that holy God is a consuming fire because in our fallenness, the only thing we are worthy of is judgment. And that's how we all do a million things to try and get out of it. But the only, the only way to get out of it is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. It's the only way. But if you're in here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, let his love cast out that tormenting fear. But fear him. Fear to break his heart. Fear to walk before him in a way that dishonors him because he's so good to you and to me. Let's not get stumbled up by the two different types of fear either. So easy to be like, well, is this fear? They're two different types, and they have two different meanings. And notice what happens. Verse 21, the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And I'm going to close with one last application. Your friends, your spouse, your co-workers may stand afar off from God. But brother, sister, don't you do that. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Snuggle up real close to the Lord Don't let other people set the pace for your spiritual life Don't let people hold you back from being the man, the woman that God has created you to be That Jesus died for you to be The children of Israel didn't want to go near They, they stood afar off and Moses pressed in God wants to have the most profound relationship with you More intimate, more unbelievable than any of us can fathom But if we're far from him, it's not his fault. We're the ones who are scared to get close. And don't get me wrong, God's a wild man. You get close to him, crazy thing. I mean, listen, I'm a pastor. I mean, that's just nuts when you think about it. I mean, none of you knew me before I got saved, so you realize how absolutely out of control that is. But if you get close to the Lord, God will use you. God will change your life. God will do. God will make you love people. Like the person you could never fathom loving, you'll have such a deep love for them. You find yourself praying for them. You're like, what is wrong with me? But listen, Jesus said that the gate is narrow. The way is difficult. Few people find it, but it leads to life. So I'm asking all of you to buck the system. To not follow the crowd. Everyone may be standing far off. You go deep. Yeah, and you might go into some thick darkness It might be scary But don't let other people hold you back Because only Moses went in deep We're going to find later that Joshua was there with him Hanging out there But everyone else stayed far away And they watched Moses go in deep So my encouragement for all of us as we close Brothers, sisters, you go deep Go deeper Take the next step don't be scared. If, everyone, if your spouse, if your loved ones, if people you work with, people you know, if they're saying, oh, don't get too deep, I'm here to tell you, go, go the other direction. Go deep. Follow God, and he will blow your mind. Jesus is
1: real. Today, Pastor Daniel finished his time in the Ten Commandments, ending with the final one, Coveting. As with many of the others, coveting has a broader definition than just wanting something your friend has. It can be a feeling of depression over not getting a promotion at work or being sad that another family member has received a blessing you've been asking for. Pastor Daniel reminded you today to turn to Jesus and let him define
0: who you are, not the circumstances in your world. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It's such an amazing honor to share God's Word, and I love seeing how God is working through this ministry. Would you partner with us? I'd love for you to join us in sharing the message that Jesus is Real by being a prayer partner or financial supporter. Find out more by visiting our website, JesusIsRealRadio.com.
1: Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel moves on to the next part of the Law of Moses, the one that he received from the Lord. This more expansive section of Scripture deals with specific situations that may be confusing and seem irrelevant to you, but Pastor Daniel will explain the reason for them. He'll also share how you can apply the same lessons to your life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Sinai. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.